0: let me ask you guys a question how many of you if i were to ask you the question no i'm not going to do that (laughs) how many of you sometimes wonder if what prayer is really all about how many of you sometimes if you were to be really honest you may even wonder why why do i even pray it seems like nothing that i pray for ever gets answered and Does that mean that maybe God's not listening or maybe there's not a God or you get all these different questions and things going around in your mind or maybe I'm just not praying the right way. Maybe I'm not praying the right words, John. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm just not, maybe I don't have the system down pat. Maybe there's something more to it than what I know. Have you ever ever thought that way? Yeah, Yeah. I I think there's those moments in time because if you were to really peel back, and I, and I think this is truthful, most of us have learned how to pray from where? Debbie says from other people. Do you believe that? Most of us have learned how to pray because we've heard somebody else pray. How many of you have been in a situation where you've been in a church or you've been in a meeting and somebody has prayed and you thought, you didn't say it, but you thought, man, I got to remember to say that the next time I pray. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> Man, I couldn't believe that joker just prayed, and it was like, wow, I couldn't believe. He, man, he must really be in touch with God. You ever been there? Man, God had to hear that. There was a guy by the name of T.W. Hunt that Meredith and I had an opportunity to be uh, in, as a part of a conference with him one time, and, and he did a prayer conference. I remember thinking, man, if I could just pray like T.W., I mean, he just like, he's like talking like God's sitting right there in front of him. There are those people, there are those things, but most of us get things, our prayer comments or prayer thoughts or prayer statements from people that we've heard and we just sort of say them. How many of you are terrified of somebody asking you to pray in public because you're afraid you might mess up? Bunch of fibbers. I mean, I see it on y'all's face. I have, to, I have to really go through a tremendous amount of pain and suffering thinking about, okay, you know, uh, what happens if I call Gus? Gus might have had a fight with Janet the night before, and Gus might be going, I don't know if I need to be praying, Pastor. I'm really <laughs> struggling right now. You know how it is. I call on Joe. So I want Joe to come close us out in prayer. See, in the old days, you had sort of these, these, these people that you knew you could pray, See, I remember being young. I, I remember being young and thinking, is he done yet? Because it was like it was, a, it was a race to see who could pray the longest at the end of the sermon. Are you with me? Don't you laugh because you know what it's like. <clears throat> I have a sister who has Down syndrome. My mother was telling me a story not long ago, it got me tickled. She said, and Shay sits in the same place if you know anything about Down syndrome children. They're very methodical in what they do. So she said at the end of the service, the, the pastor had asked this fellow to stand up and say, and in, in the in the in the country churches, just this is just how they do it. Brother so-and-so, will you please close us out this morning? So brother so-and-so started to pray, and he prayed, and he kept praying, and kept praying. Finally, Shay says, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be able to appreciate that. But what happens if we were to really learn how to pray and the real meaning behind prayer because if we were to look and probably take apart our prayers how many of our prayers would really be about self-absorbed stuff god bless me with this or give me this or help me with this or lord would you provide this because i'm really and if we were to really peel back the prayers and if we were to dissect them How how much of our prayer life, including mine, would really be about stuff that's all about me and what I want? And I wonder if that was really the meaning behind prayer. So what I want to do over the next several weeks is I want to walk us through some of the prayers that Jesus prayed. And to ask ourselves, is there more to prayer than just, now I lay me down to sleep? i pray the lord my soul to keep because i happen to believe that there is and that was one of the reasons that jesus taught the disciples when they asked him jesus will you teach us how to pray and so we did so with that thought in mind i want you to turn to matthew chapter 6 and we're going to look at this today inside of what would be called the greater picture the sermon on the mount jesus is assembled here with disciples and some other followers and somewhere along the line, they had, as they had watched Jesus, they, they saw something in Jesus and his prayers that sort of caught their attention. And I really don't know what it was, but there was something that was different. And it wasn't the fact that they didn't know how to pray or they hadn't been taught how to pray because these were, these were Jewish young men. These were people that had been raised around the temple just like we have. But there was something about Jesus and his prayers that caught their attention. And in the midst of that, they had to ask the question, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to pray? And so let's start here in Matthew chapter 6. And let's see if we can learn today in reference to what it, what it has to do with, with prayer and, and how do we pray. And so this is what it says. This is how we start off in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus said, when you pray... Now that's assuming that you do. How many of us pray? When do you pray? Mostly, Mostly when you're in trouble. <laughs> Truthfully? Mostly when we're in trouble. But Jesus said, starts off by saying, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, define for me the word hypocrite. What does that mean? Pretender? Yeah somebody who thinks one way and acts another it's an actor on stage it's a person who wears a mask depending on the crowd that they're around I mean think about that for a second is that does that happen to represent you I mean are you one way at church and another way when you're out at, out at work are you one way at church and another way on the ball field are you one way with this group of people and and and, and another way with another group of people He said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. That's very interesting for Jesus to say that. That must have been taking place. So here you've got Jesus saying, listen, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pray publicly on the street corners in the synagogues where everybody can see them. Why do you think somebody would pray out on the street corners for everybody to see them? Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody stand out on the street corner and pray or declare their faith so that everybody could see them? Attention? Look at me. See, it, this may not happen so much on the street corner these days, but where does this take place today? Facebook? Uh-oh. Twitter? Hmm. Hmm. See, it's amazing the things that we can do to give them false impression, to manipulate or to control things. Here it may not be a street corner for us. Culturally, it might be Facebook or Twitter or another different way. And Jesus goes on to say in referencing those people that prayed like that, he says, I tell you the truth at all, that that is all the reward that they will ever get. And let's go, we'll come, we're going to come back to the issue of reward in just a second. And he says, but when you pray... But when you pray in those times whatever the reason that you may pray when you pray when you're distraught when when you're struggling when you're in 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 trouble when you're sick when there's issues going on in the home when you're in an argument when there's a difficulty going on with a friend when there's an unpaid bill when there's some other type of emergency whether it be personal or whether something that happens corporately he says, when you pray He says, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Alone. Isolated. Isn't that something? That when you're at that place and you pray, he says, go and," and look at what he says. Then your Father, who sees everything, he just doesn't hear us. Our Heavenly Father just doesn't hear. He just doesn't. He just doesn't see us but he hears us as well he hears us and he sees us and he sees the depth of our hearts in that place of secret and he responds and the Bible says then your father who sees everything will reward you that when we get off him we pray and we pray in secret the unseen God the unseen God sees us and he rewards us now this is what we say well we think automatically that the reward is what that God gives me what I want that whatever it is that I'm praying for at this moment whatever it is that seems to be at the top of the priority list whatever it is that has captured my attention so much to the point that I'm in pain and I go and I say God I need this I need this but see, some of you know that, that that's not true. Some of you know that that's not true. That's not the reward because how many of us have been there and you've prayed yet your prayers have not been answered? How many of us have been at that place and you know that that, that really doesn't work because if, it, if prayers worked and that was the reward, then you would have more money in your bank account right now than you do? Or the fact that your spouse would still be at home Or that relationship, or you might be driving a different vehicle, or you might not be still be single, or maybe it wasn't that speeding ticket that you got. But the reward of our prayers isn't that necessarily that we get what we want, but it's so much bigger than that. So here it is, Jesus giving an explanation up front of what some people are doing. And Jesus said, listen, don't don't do that. Don't do that. But look at what he says in verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are merely answered by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For, and this is a really big deal, this is a really big, huge deal, that we don't get what we want because we pray the right words or because we repeat it over and over and over again. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying really to convince God. If I'll pray long enough, I'll pray hard enough, and if I'll pray the right words, then what I'll do is I'll be able to, to convince God that to do what I want him to do for me. No. Some people would say, well, that's really a successful prayer. No. No. Don't pray like that. Because really that's not the way that prayer Work. Don't think for a moment that if, I, if I'm slick enough, if I'm smart enough, if, if, if I've got the right words, if I pray long enough, if I have enough faith, that I'll be able to convince God to do what I want Him to do. No. And then I, I love what it says because this is really confusing, confusing. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Would you say well if that's true why do I even need to pray? I mean if he already knows what I need and I don't need to come up with some type of a system or plan to it and I don't have to sit down and take out all this time he already knows why in the world pray? What's the reason for it? What's the significance of prayer if it's not all those things that we've so many times been taught to believe or caught to think that it's, what's it for? Thinking back to when the disciples heard Jesus praying, there was something that caught their attention. There was something that happened that happened in the midst of, of Jesus' communication with the Father that they heard that they go, that's different and that's why they ask him to teach us how to pray and so Jesus comes along and he said listen it's not about all this other stuff don't do it this way but do it this way and look at what he teaches us in reference to how to pray Jesus says don't pray like that but pray like this and this is a new thing for us to take a look at. Look at look at what he look at what he pray like this. And this is probably a prayer that if you've been raised around church circles that you've heard somewhere along the line. I was raised in a southern community where believe it or not, I was taught the Lord's prayer not only at home, not only at church, but also at school. I was taught the Lord's Prayer in public school, and one day we said the Lord's Prayer, the next day we said the Ten Commandments. That was just the way it went. And if you didn't want to participate, the teacher would say, you're welcome to go stand outside. But that never really happened. Not that I remember. Some of you may have heard this uh, sung. If you're used to going to weddings, you maybe have heard this this prayer, the Lord's Prayer sung at, at weddings. But this is What Jesus says when he teaches us how to pray. Our Father, and I'm in the New Living Translation. Our Father, underline that word Father, because we're going to talk about that in just a second. Our Father, may your name be kept holy. I don't know how you start off your prayers. probably something like, uh, Lord, thank you for this day today. Father, thank you. I, I don't know how you start your prayers off. Jesus said, I don't, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, may your name be holy. Jesus starts off by saying, Listen, I want to identify the greatness of who you are. I want to identify how majestic and how wonderful and how great and how big you truly are, Father. Jesus is saying to us right up front, Listen, when you start to pray, the first thing you want to do is recognize who you are approaching in the largest of who God is. The next time you sit down and you go and you, sit, you want to spend time praying, the first thing before you do anything else is recognize and understand and acknowledge just who you're talking to and cult how big God really is. Because if you do that up front, everything else is going to begin to flow. But the first thing that you want to do out of the starting block, block is to say, our Father in heaven, may your name be holy. Wow! What an opportunity, God, for me to be able to approach you at your throne. How great and how majestic you truly are. And when we realize how big and awesome God is, everything else seems to, to get smaller. That when we recognize might how true and awesome and in control God is, it, rec- it, it leaves us with the, with, the, with the truth and the reality. If God is in control, I don't have to be in control because I can trust Him as Father. See, that word Father is really important because within that culture, it had significant meaning of trust. It had significant meaning of intimacy. It had significant meaning of authority. It had significant meaning of strength. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And then he gets to the part that most of us really want to skip. We don't like this next part. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in in heaven. And what Jesus is saying is that when you recognize who you're speaking to and the greatness of who God is... It's a whole lot easier for us to say, <laughs> okay. <sighs> okay, Lord, I was focused on my will, but I've come to realize that my will's not so important, but it's your will. It's not really my agenda, but God, it's really your agenda. It's not really about my stuff, but it's really about your stuff, Lord, because you're great. Your kingdom come, your will be done because God in the midst of my prayer time I recognize that you are at the center not me you're at the center not me and because you're at the center it totally changes everything from that point on it's about your kingdom it's not about fixing the things in my world but it's about God it's about God your will not my will It's about me taking a back seat instead of me thinking that I've got to be in the driver's seat. It's about me listening instead of me always talking. And Jesus said, listen, before we talk about about our kingdom and what we might need, this is what I've come to learn as I acknowledge you that, Lord, regardless of what I want, regardless of what's going on in my kingdom, regardless of what's taking place that's affecting my life and my world right now, What I really want is for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. That's hard. Because we don't pray that way, do we? I mean, truthfully, when we approach God, we approach God, God, this is what I want. Give it to me now. And if we don't, we whine. If we don't get it, we whine, right? When's the last time you've approached God in the largeness of who he is, recognizing his greatness and said, God, because of your greatness, I am surrendered to you. It's no more about me. But Jesus said, pray this way. Pray this way. Here's Jesus on the outside coming in. Lazarus has been dead for several days. He comes in. He knows what the Father's will is. And he comes and he prays in the prayer there. The prayer that he prays is so, is, is so unique. And it almost makes you laugh because of what he says. In Luke chapter, or John chapter 11, verse 41, Jesus said, Father, listen, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all the people that are standing here. He was staying, standing amongst a group of people. So that they would believe that you sent me. And then Jesus shouted out, Lazarus, come out. I know whose beeper that was. That was a fireman's beeper. <laughs> Emergency 51. <laughs> he shouted, come out. And what happened? Lazarus came out. Now, how long did Jesus pray? There was a difference in the prayer in the garden of gethsemane the night before jesus when jesus was betrayed the bible said that as he was there jesus prayed how long all night all night maybe the length of our prayer has something to do with how long it takes for us to come to the place and say lord your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven maybe the length of our prayer has something to do with surrender maybe the length of our prayer has something to do with letting go and trusting God see on most days our prayers would just be a reminder of really who's in control and the greatness of who God is but what about in that moment when you're struggling When there's a decision that has to be made, when there's something that's going on in your life and you're in need, and there's something that you're wanting, and you're wanting it very deeply, and you're wanting it so much, maybe it's a garden experience. But how many of us are willing to stay there in that place of prayer until we say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done? Are you with me? Are we riding down the same track? Are we listening to the same story? That's hard. You mean to tell me, yes, that's what I'm telling you, that that prayer is that opportunity for us to stay there, to recognize, to understand, to say, I'm going to stay here until I'm at that place that regardless of how painful it is, I say, God, I give. I trust you. Tucker, you've been there, haven't you? I thought about the story. And if I were to sit down and and own personal, you know, the personal stories of Meredith and I and infertility and children, and and I I go back, and, and how many times in the moment in my life when I raised my fist carefully, when I wanted to curse God and then that moment that I said I trust you and I'm going to trust you in this. As difficult as it is, I don't understand. I don't understand the pain. I don't understand the agony. I don't understand the suffering. I don't understand all the consequences. I just don't understand it all. But God, I know this, that in the midst of this, if you're God, I have to understand that I'm not and you're in control. And if I'm praying and I realize that, that I've surrendered my life to you, that in the midst of the suffering, even though I don't understand, God, I give. I give. And I... I'm going to trust you in this. Man, this is painful. Man, this hurts. And I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm not going to try to throw it off on somebody else. And it may not be because I've done anything wrong, but God, I'm just going to have to trust that you're involved in this. That's hard. But how many of us are willing to stay down on our knees in the place of that until we're fully and completely surrendered? Not many of us. But Jesus said, if you want to pray, he said, do that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my stuff, but your stuff. And I'm going to stay in that place and I'm not going to go anywhere else. I'm not going to go any further until I reach that place that I say, God, I surrender. Because see, the purpose of prayer isn't trying to realign Jesus or our Heavenly Father towards us. But maybe it's about realigning our lives. What God wants to do. Ouch! That's a squeeze. That's a pinch. But you know what happens when we begin to pray that way? There's something that takes place in our lives as believers, Mr. Bob. When we learn to pray that way, and we learn to we learn to recognize who we're praying to, and we submit and we surrender. When we come to that place, there's something that happens in the believer's life. You know what it is? Steve, what did we do this week? What, what would Dwight do? We would decompress. It's in that place of trust that we find rest and peace. You want to know why some of us don't have Peace. not surrendered you can be in the midst of a struggle and still be at peace and then we get to the place that we always like to get to this is the give me get you know i want this and that kind of stuff and so look look at what he goes on to say in in verse 11 give me give us see now i can think correctly now, now I've got a better understanding because I've acknowledged God and his greatness. And I've said, okay, God, whatever it is, I'm going to surrender to you. Now I'm in a better position to talk about some other things. And he says, give us today the food that we need. Now this would have been very significant because there was a time in the wilderness that they only got how much? It was a daily provision. It wasn't more. How many of us in this room have more than what we need? Every one of us in here. There wasn't no extra bank account if they collected more than what they needed, what happened? Moses also knew that the time of desperation, the time of daily 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 provision would also come to an end that there would be a time that the provision would be more than what they needed. What happens when we have more than what we need? How many times do we waste it? How many times when we have more than what we need did all of a sudden we begin to think that that extra comes from our abilities, our talents, our expertise, our work habits? Provision. Provision. So this part about the daily bread, I don't really think it's so much about the food and about the daily bread. I mean, you can say that, but I think it was more about the recognition for where our provision comes from. That when you sit down and when you're praying, that God, man, listen, as little as it is, God, I want to thank you for the provision that you've provided for me and my family. That in the the smallness and in the largeness, God, I just want to say thank you because you are my provider. You are my provider. And then he says, and forgive us for our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And he reminds us as sinners, we are to approach our Heavenly Father to ask for forgiveness. But not only ask for forgiveness, because in asking forgiveness, to be reminded that we have a responsibility to forgive others who've wronged us. Who's been wronged in the past 24 hours? And how are you dealing with that? See, forgiveness is one of those things that we don't really want to deal with because if I forgive you, it means that some people think if I forgive you, then what I've done is I've agreed with what you've done with me. So I don't, want to, I don't agree with what you've done with me, so I'm not going to forgive you because if I forgive you, that means that I'm going to bless you and I surely don't want to bless you right now. But really what unforgiveness does, unforgiveness says that I'm going to hold on to this pain and suffering and I'm going to allow you to hurt me. Forgiveness says no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do it. But what Jesus was saying here is I'm not going to get off my knees until not only have I received God's forgiveness, and also until I have forgiven those others who've wronged me. That means that some of us may be in a constant position of prayer until you pray. I'm going to stay in that position because I realize that not only do I receive God's pardon, but I've been given the responsibility and the opportunity to pardon others who have been, who've wronged me and hurt me. But I'm going to extend pardon. And then he says in verse 13, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Prayer isn't about just getting... Forgiveness of our sins, so that we can empty out the bucket that we have, so that we can fill it back up again. Let me go to God, so I can ask Him forgiveness of sins. But there is never any intent of of making an adjustment or change. It's just about feeling better. Feeling better. Prayer is saying, "I sincerely want to obey You. You are great. You are the Creator of the heavens and the earth." And because of who you are, and because I declare that you are great and you are mighty and that your ways are better than mine, I am surrendered to you. And in that, Lord, in the midst of all of that, not only do I recognize that you are my provider, not only do I seek forgiveness for my sins, but I'm also going to forgive others who have wronged me. But in the midst of that, I do not want to sin any more. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to do that. And look at what he says. Protection, in reference to protection. God, I not only want you to forgive me of my sins, but to the best of my ability, I don't want to sin anymore. I need your protection. How many of us need God's protection? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little mouth what you speak. (laughs) Sinful. Sinful. So we've got the greatness of God that changes our hearts. That says, I want to surrender to you. In the midst of the surrender, we recognize that God is provider, that He also calls us to pardon. Yet, in the midst of that, not only to pardon, but also I'm crying out and asking for your protection. And then there's a closing that some of us, and we don't have it here, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. You ever sin? You know, that's the ending. But that's not really in here, is it? It was added somewhere. It was a dox, what you call a doxology, a closing. Somebody said, well, Jesus really didn't end it that well, so we're going to help him out just a little bit. (laughs) Because he goes right on to another teaching. But the significance was, in the teaching of prayer, this is huge. But if you were to go back and look at it, thine is the kingdom. It goes right along with what we're saying. Thine is the kingdom, um, not my kingdom, and the power. God, you're the one with the power, not me, and your glory. Because, God, it's all about your glory, not my glory. I mean, it sort of goes along with what we've been talking about. Because I'm really small and significant in the midst of this and so when reviewing this today um, as we get ready to close what I wanted to do is as you're leaving today I wanted to give you a card that Lisa printed up and I want you to take this and it's something that you can put in your in your wallet or in your pocketbook that will remind you of what we've talked about today because don't you want to pray the way that Jesus prayed with the same attitude that he taught us to pray See some of you already you're going to change the way you do Facebook because of what you've heard today. Because for some of us and all of us it can be a street corner. What about the things that happen in secret? He not only sees but he hears us. He knows exactly what's going on. But on this card this is what it says. I declare God's greatness. I surrender my will. I acknowledge my dependence on you Lord for my provision. For my pardon and my protection. See, this is the uniqueness about the way that Jesus taught us to pray. The way Jesus taught us to pray, Dottie, it always works. It always works. Because it's not about me trying to get God to do something for me, but Jesus' prayer was about realigning our lives so that we were ready to hear what God wanted to speak to us, and we were ready ready and willing to respond. It wasn't about us trying to get the glory, but it was about trying to give God the glory. It wasn't about trying to get God to do what I wanted, but it was about trying to be part of what God is doing. And isn't that what we want to do? I mean, Diane, isn't that what you want to do as a believer, as a mature believer who's walked with the Lord for many years? God, I don't want to try to convince you because I know I can't convince you because you're God and I'm not. So because of your greatness, I'm going to be submissive to you, Lord. And I'm going to listen to hear your voice. And I'm going to stay in that position until I'm willing to surrender. And when I surrender, I'm in a whole lot better position talk about the things that I feel like I need because when we recognize the greatness of God, sometimes our needs have a way of changing, don't they? When I recognize the greatness of God, not only do I receive forgiveness, but I also understand the opportunity I have to forgive others. And I'm not going to get off my knees until I'm there. And protection? Lord, I need it. Because Satan's like a roaring lion and he wants to destroy Emily Jones. He wants to destroy your integrity. He wants to destroy everything about you because you're a witness for Christ. And so Satan is all around you all the time trying to provide ways that he can destroy your integrity. I need you, Lord. I need you to protect me. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, what are you going to do with it? That's the big question. For those of us that are believers, what have you learned today? For those that are not followers of Christ, my biggest question is this. What is it that keeps you from making the most important decision in your life? Can I pray with you? Father, what a great day it is. Your word speaks on its own, and I don't have to add any stories. I don't have to do anything. Your prayer reminds us of your greatness. It reminds us of our opportunity and need to surrender to you. I pray you would hear us today in the midst. And Father, those of us that are rebellious, those of us that are struggling, we would come to a place of humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves to you this is teaching this is a part of the Christian life this is growing into and Lord for those of us me that have continued to make mistakes in this area help me Lord help me to improve because I want to be your your witness I want to be your ambassador today I pray for our our family and Lord, I pray for those of us that claim to be believers that we would go out and we would realize and understand the opportunity just like Brian's family. But Father, we have an opportunity to make a, an impact here within this community. I wonder who we're going to meet this week that we're going to be able to, sh- to share not only your kindness, but all this, also the truth of the gospel and the fact that Jesus alone saves and he is our hope. Help us to live this week to be effective in our, in our, and bold in our witness. And, Father, I'm praying for our activities that are coming up with with, uh, the feeding of the teachers in Wildwood and also here in Fruitland Park. Father, would you open up doors so that people know that we care. Thank you, Father, for today, for your prayers, for how you taught us. We're we're just excited about what you're going to teach us in the days ahead as we seek to grow in, in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.